Hello, and welcome to another episode of Quilt Buzz, the podcast featuring your favorite folks from across the Quiltiverse. I'm Amanda of Broadcloth Studio, and I'm joined by Wendy, the weekend quilter. Hey. And our special guest, Vasuda of Storied Quilts 314. Hi, everyone. I'm really happy to be in this episode. I'm really excited to chat with you guys. We're really excited to chat with you. Yeah, so, I was going to say we're saying, yeah. saying yeah. <laughs> But before we jump into all our quilty fun today, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, uh, my name is Vasuda. Uh, I'm a software engineer by day and a quilter um, after work or whenever I find time. Um, I grew up in India, but I live in uh, Houston, Texas. I've been here for the last 27 years or probably more. I've lost count. Um, I live here with my husband and two boys, uh, but my two boys are now in college. So we are basically empty nesters except in summer. And we also know you as Story Quilt. So why the name? And is there a particular meaning behind the numbers that you've put at the end of the Instagram handle and Etsy store? All right. So let me first talk about the numbers. Okay. There isn't a... <laughs> the thing is, I started my Instagram uh, accounts as Storied Quilts. And then I just completely forgot about it. And then I came back to Instagram and, and opened a new account and it wouldn't let me do storied quilts. And I wasn't sure why, because I'd forgotten that I created it before. So I had to give it a number. So I did 314. 314 is the first three digits of the number pi. I'm, I'm a bit of a math geek. So I love the number pi. I think it's just awesome. So I, that's the, those are the first. Instead of one, two, three, I thought three, one, four is probably a good number. So I used that. And then I remembered late. And then I, I kept checking the Instagram and there isn't another story quilts. And why did it say it's already taken? And then I remembered, then I looked through my email and there was an email that said, you know, uh, um, I think it, it kind of gives you this verification um, email where you need to click and go back and verify your account. And I had not done that. And it was probably in my spam folder. <laughs> so that's the story about 314. Nothing, nothing very fancy. It's just forgetfulness. So coming back to storied quilts, I started my blog before I started my Instagram account and I called it storied quilts. Um, that's really mainly because everything I, whatever I wanted to say about my quilts were like a story. It was something like, it was usually a story about um, uh, the inspiration, where I saw something, what I wanted to do. Or sometimes it's the, it was a story about who I'm making it for and why I'm designing it this way. Um, uh, many times it's a story about, um, I started to do one thing and something didn't work out. I did something else. So uh, that's how the name Storied Quilts uh came about and my tagline is there's a story for every quilt and there is a quilt for every story. Um, so I had that in my head way before I even started my blog and that's um, how I, how that came about. And so when did you, when did you start quilting? Can you walk us through like your, your quilting journey from even before the blog? Yeah. Um, so I started quilting way before the blog, obviously. Um, I, my baby niece was going to be born and I wanted to make a quilt for her. 
Uh, I had bits, like pieces of silk saris that belonged to my great-grandmother, my grandmother, my mother, aunt, and a whole bunch of people. My grandmother used to do all kinds of crafts, not quilting, but different ones. And she had these collected for some project, but she did not, wasn't working on it. And so she gave it to me and I wanted to make a quilt out of that. Um, I didn't know anything about quilting. I went to the library and I found some books on basic techniques. I don't remember what books they were. It was so long ago. Um, so I made something. Uh, these were pieces, silk saris that were used and washed a lot. So they were not wedding. It wasn't the quilting wasn't the right place to put it because it's, it's a baby quilt. It has to be washed and it, it the quilt absolutely did not last too long. And, and it was, anyway, I learned a lot of things. Essentially, I learned that I don't know anything about quilting when I made that quilt, but so that was, but I was really hooked after that. And I, I kept making quilts on and off. I mean, just to date this, my niece is going to graduate from college next year. So it's that long ago. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and like ever since you um, made that first quilt, have you actually tried quilting with silk sari again or no? Yeah, I, I made another one. Uh, I made another one for my dad when he turned 70, I think. Uh, so that also, I mean, it, it took me a while to understand why it didn't work, but essentially um, the silk, when you, when you, um, this was, this was a kind of silk that was, it was handloom and very tightly woven and uh, it's just beautiful as a sari. But when you actually start stitching on it, it kind of, perforates those places where you where you stitch through and they would it would tear apart um my mom has the quilt I made and she is very careful she does she brings it out on special occasions and puts it back in so you don't have to wash it she she just really takes very good care of that and uh, but I, I decided it's there's probably other ways to use it and not make not sew them into something I made little pillow pillow covers with them um, well, uh, cushions and stuff, but they all had the same issue. They just would start tearing at the, at the, the seam lines. And so I stopped using that. So from that first quilt, you know, how did that evolve to you designing and writing your own patterns? Yeah, that was, um, it was totally not planned that way. Um, I, you know, I had two young boys, I had a demanding job and I wanted something to do that didn't have an end goal, something I want to do and not have any um, goal that I need to finish it or I need to do this by this deadline. I just wanted something that had no no goal. I wouldn't say no purpose. The purpose was was to have something that had no goal. That was the uh, that was the. So I started doing things. I just wanted to create, just work on something a few minutes a day or sometimes on a weekend, just, just a couple of hours. Um, and then I kept making things. I learned from that. And I, um, you know, just then when you get, get into this world of fabric and quilting, then you just start seeing what other people do, looking at books, looking at, um, even Flickr at that time. Flickr was the one I used to follow a few boards on Flickr. 
I have so many ideas and then the ideas keep coming and then you need to try something. And that's how it just grew. And I just, from the very beginning, I would just design my own quilt. It was, I think initially I didn't even know there was something like quilt patterns that you could buy. I would just like, oh, these are two squares, two triangles and just put them together. Yeah, that's how that, that went. So it, it's still, it's still quilting kind of fit the need that it was something, it was new to me and there was no expectation other than just to make something. And it's, I still look at it that way, even though I made a lot of quilts or published patterns, but I, it's still not something that I push myself to finish and reach that milestone, reach this milestone. I don't want it to be that way. I want it to be something I go to as a refuge from getting away from all the pressures. Do you find that you're, um, you mentioned at the beginning that you're uh, a software engineer. Do you find that that has influenced how you approach quilting or how you write your patterns? Yeah, I did uh, in, in some ways. Um, so when you're in engineering or when you're, when you're writing software, uh, you have to work in a certain way. You break down problems into smaller chunks and then you tackle the difficult bits first to see if your idea will actually work or not. And then you learn to pivot some things. I mean, you, you, you're not hired to do something that will, that others have done before, right? You're always doing something new and invariably there is something that doesn't work. So you learn to pivot and find alternate ways to do something. I mean, this is part of the cycle that engineers go through are just about, you do that in a lot of professions. Uh, and I, I approach quilting that way. So I, I have this inspiration and I go from there to some, some initial design. And then I try out a small thing and say, okay, this, does this, um, does this work? Will, how does, how do these, these two triangles look together? Sometimes I do it on paper or on a design software. Uh, and then eventually there are, there are some things you have to actually take a piece of fabric and sew them together to see, hey, is my level of accuracy good enough to get this point and get this particular visual effect that I'm looking for? So my process is sort of determined by what I do every day at work, right? Other than that, uh, I do uh, derive inspiration from a lot of things in engineering and software and math. Like I talked about pi that that's a so i have a couple of quilts based on various aspects of pi and then uh, one of my first designs that i put as a tutorial on my blog is based on a bisection algorithm that's used in computer science and um, it's just you know you 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 spend so much time on um on certain certain topics certain fields and they invariably influence you or inspire you in other ways, right? So that's really how it goes. You briefly touched on a little bit where you get your um, design ideas from. Could you describe your quilting design aesthetic and how's that evolved over the years? Yeah, um, I would say currently it's mostly modern, but of course I use traditional techniques, traditional designs. I derive inspiration from definitely traditional antique quilts as well as art quilts as well as art in general, and also architecture of all kinds. Uh, so the way it's, I, I think even before I knew this was called modern quilts, it's like modern quilting was a, was a thing. 
uh, I go back and look at my designs and they were fairly modern. I was looking, using a lot of negative space. I was changing the size of blocks I would do. So it was, um, it was, I think I was, it was sort of modern, but, uh, it has changed. What has changed over, over the years is being exposed to modern quilting, what other people are doing and invariably that sort of, uh, creeps into your own aesthetic. And also QuiltCon. QuiltCon is this thing that just, just captivates you, right? So you, it's, it's, that's been the most, uh, just the modern quilting community has been an inspiration for me. And you'll be teaching at QuiltCon in 2024 for the first time. Yeah. Can you tell us, uh, can you give us a sneak peek about your on your course? Yeah, I'm really excited. I'm also a bit anxious about teaching for the first time, but I'm really excited. I'm teaching two classes and two sessions, each of two classes. One is a design class that I'm really excited about. It's designing uh, 3D illusion quilts. And the other is a sewing class based on a pattern of mine called Buzzing Geese. Uh, yeah, I'm really excited about that. This is, will be the first time for me at QuiltCon. It's very exciting. It's always been nerve wracking, um, teaching the first time, but I think usually after the first class, everything else will fall into place. <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah. What inspired you to share your knowledge behind designing 3d illusion quilts? Yeah. Um, I was, I've always been fascinated by optical, optical illusions and optical illusion puzzles we would get, right? So I would say it'll have two lines. They're the same size, but you'd look at it this way. They look, one looks bigger than that. I know all kinds of these standard optical illusion puzzles. Um, I've also been, um, also geometry and the theory, especially the theory of projections have been my favorite math topics from, from the beginning. And and then uh, it re what I find fascinating is when we are designing 3D uh, illusion quilts, we are really understanding how our brain works. How do how can you trick your brain to perceive three dimensions when they're really actually just two? Whether it's a quilt or a, a canvas or paper, it's really two dimensions. You know, it's a flat thing, but your brain is looking at it. You're looking at it and your brain's interpreting it as three dimensions. I find that fascinating. And does color, tone, and value of the colors that you use play a big role in creating that visual illusion? Yeah. Uh, so so I went about, um, so we, we all know how to draw a cube. We know how to do, we, we sort of know how to do draw 3D because it's it's intuitive right it's the way we look at 3d and as an illusion in a, on paper or canvas or whatever it's, it's very intuitive but i tried i looked at it um in a very in a sort of analytical way uh so it there are really two main things there's distortion of shape and there is distortion of color especially the value color value so when you look at for example when you look at a cube the sides of the cube will be at an angle. It's, it's at a certain angle, depending on which way you look and the angle changes, right? And then they appear dark or light compared to the, to the side that's facing you. Like different sides have different colors. So I did work on, on uh, computer graphics at some point, uh, several years ago. And, uh, we used to, we used to, there, there's, there's this huge, uh, body of, um, 
knowledge about how to do 3D on on the computer, right? So especially it, it's just exploded with with all the gaming and earlier that that was more it was more for um more for visual representation of data when I started out back in grad school. But uh now it's it's got uh, so many more applications. There was there's a there's a lot of I I did some uh, programming around that, like how to transform objects. Where is the where's the light coming from, and what should be the value of this this particular pixel based on where the light's coming from, and all uh, that kind of stuff. So, uh, so I had that I had that sort of uh, uh, more analytical view on how three D looks, and so. Yeah, that's that's really how the how the how, how I started looking at it rather than intuitively. I also did intuitively. I I do doodle and make sketches as well. But then I started looking at it in a more analytical way. How are we getting three D out of your drawing? And then when you're designing for like three dimensional quilts, like where do you like where do you begin, and how do you pick and choose those colors so that it does give that three dimensional look? Yeah, uh, it's there's no right or wrong way to do that, and any color works. It's uh, like I said, you do have to vary value. It's just you you just have to have this innate understanding of value. Uh, most of the time, you can look at look at two things and say, this is dark, this is light. Sometimes you, it's, it's not that, um, easy. Uh, so you, you would take a picture of it and go to a black and white mode and try to understand value. But, uh, most of the time I, st I stay away from those subtle differences. I just say, all right, this is dark. This is light. If I can't say the difference without a picture, then I shouldn't be, maybe they're too close. I should be using something lighter or something darker, right? So, um, so in terms of how, how do I go about, uh, in a, uh, the, the quilts that I've worked on so far, a lot of them I've started with some doodles based on 3D. Some of them are because I, um, there's, there's one based on the, on the impossible triangle, the Penrose triangle. That's a math thing that, has been fast. I was fascinated with for a long time, and I did that. Um, as the my most recent one, the the one with this the, the Hogwarts crossing with with this inter intersecting steps, the that was totally not meant to be a three D quill. That was just a a pattern of of skewed uh, squares on on just regular squares arranged in a certain way. I was. I had that. I drew that out on a uh, in EQ8, and I started changing colors, and I accidentally uh, came into a 3D uh, illusion setup of it. Then I started putting a lot of negative space, uh, just taking out, taking out. That that that's one of the things that I, that it was in. It was at QuiltCon in the negative space category. So that's the main thing. You you take out things when you take out a lot of things around your main subject is where the, the illusion comes in. Uh, illusion becomes more obvious rather. So there's so many different ways. And um, the main thing is, is color. And like I said, there's distortion of shape. You have to figure out what angle do you want those sides to be to get that 
3D effect. And usually, uh, and then definitely use different values and it could be different colors. It doesn't matter. You can have a blue and a yellow, uh, but it, it, that's fine. But just the value of, of the colors is the most important. And you mentioned that uh, distortion of the angles and the shapes. So how do you achieve that? Do you, uh, you do foundation paper piecing or do you do a lot of Y seams to achieve that? Yeah, that's a good question. No, no Y seams for me. That's not... <laughs> yeah, I've tried. Avoid that. <laughs> right. I've, I've, I've tried Y seams and it wasn't a good thing. It, it, yeah, it, I feel it like there's like a, too much steps involved. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, it, it just didn't come out well. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> the, the way I uh, actually I, I go over this in the class as well. Um, so there's so many different ways to get 3D illusion. I mean, if you just do Google 3D illusion quilts, you see some extremely complicated quilts and some amazing um, uh, one-off tech. Well, it's that that it's been, they've designed every piece of it to get that illusion, right? So what I focus on instead is to use standard blocks and then design something, design maybe something simpler, maybe not as complicated as some of them. Uh, so I use, I, I mainly use uh, half square triangles, half, half rectangle triangles, equilateral triangles, and then a sort of a distorted uh, parallelogram and the last one, the, the, for that parallelogram is where I use paper piecing. Uh, you need, so this is the one in the Hogwarts crossing where the angle is very subtle. It's, it's like a very thin sliver. So it's hard to do without paper piecing. I use paper piecing only for that particular, uh, angle, if you will. Uh, but you can get a phenomenal 3D effect with just half square triangles. And it's, it's just amazing how, how, how so I, I'm convinced that we are wired to, to see 3D very easily, even when there isn't 3D. So it's, it's very easy to trick your brain to get that illusion. When you're, when it comes time to actually quilt your quilt, do you also take that opportunity to add more dimension and continue to trick the brain? Yes. Uh, yeah, that, that's a good point. So if you quilt, Along the lines of this, like I said, it's a distorted shape, the, the, the angles that show the 3D. If you quilt along them, it it emphasizes that angle. Definitely that that makes it that makes a difference. Um, or the other option is to just do um overall quilting. So you if you have enough contrast in your colors, if you have if the shapes are clear enough and you especially colors, if you have good contrast that has that illusion, if you just do it all over so that you don't uh, take away from that, that's pretty much enough. But I like to, to emphasize the, the shape of the, of the 3D illusion. So you've had a few quilts featured in shows like QuiltCon 2023 and 2022 in Paducah. Uh, with your show quilts, do you create them with the intention that they would be submitted into certain shows or are they already made? And if you feel that they are a good fit, that's when you then submit it into the show. Yeah, um, it's a little bit of both. Um, so first thing I always, I make quilts that I want to make. I don't make quilts because I want to go, want it to go for a show. I just want to make them. But uh, so th that's really how I, I, I have an inspiration. I make a quilt. 
And what happens is because my general aesthetic is modern, QuiltCon is probably the the main uh, venue that the, the the main show that would that that it's a fit for. Uh, but QuiltCon is also different in that they have challenges every year. So uh, I use those challenges as an as like they would have a log cabin challenge or a hexagon and. I think this time it's crappy. It's, I just love that. Uh, uh, I use that as an opportunity to um, make something, you know, just, just be creative and do something for QuiltCon. Uh, other than QuiltCon, uh, uh, for the other shows, most other shows have a modern category. I usually just submit to that. Uh, but uh, yeah, th- there's not that many shows that uh, showcase uh, a lot of modern quilts other than QuiltCon. So scrolling through your Instagram account, we've noticed that you um, you like to explore using various techniques, like um, we've seen fabric strip weaving uh, with different shapes in your quilts that you mentioned, as well as like quilted postcards and more. So do you have any other uh, techniques that are on your bucket list or to try before the year wraps up? Yeah, um, most of that, most of the time when I try something new, it's totally spontaneous. So I don't know what they are. But I have to say that most of the new things I've tried was, um, was, um, prompted by this, um, thing called Project Quilting, which, uh, which is hosted by, uh, Persimmon Dreams. Kim is her name. So she, they have a, um, so she has this, um, it's a prompt. I think it's multiple prompts. It's, it's actually six weeks. It's okay. It's based on project runway, which where you give a, where you're given a prompt, you're given a topic and you're given exactly one week. Um, I don't know what the project runway was, but what Kim does is she gives you exactly one week. And then you, uh, in one week, you, you come up with an idea, you, you do, a, you make a finished project by the end of the week using that prompt. And I find that really exciting because you have to, you have, you have to start and finish in that one week. So I do, I, I used to just do one or two prompts here and there, but then the last three years I've been doing every prompt for, it's, it's for six weeks. And uh, the first six weeks of the year, it starts, it starts the first uh, Sunday of January and then goes on for six weeks. And I've been doing all the prompts every year, um, last three years. And as a result, I picked, uh, so, like I picked fabric postcards for, for 2023. And I was doing, um, I did small 10 by 10, 10 by 10 quilts for 2022. And I can't remember what I did before that. Uh, but I just found it, find it so exciting. So that's how these new techniques come by. But other than that, um, it's totally spontaneous. I see somebody do it. I belong to a very active guild. I see somebody do something and I want to try, go home and try it. That's really how that happens. I know. It's so hard. It's like so many things that we want to do, but then so little time. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so do you have any other fun projects in the horizon that you're able to share with our listeners? Yeah, I'm actually, I'm now working on, um, on one of my, one of my patterns. This is a quilt I made a long time ago called Winding River. It's a, it uses like a distorted log cabin to get this illusion of a winding river. It's not a 3D illusion, but it's still sort of a illusion. It gives the illusion of a curve, you could say. Yeah. Uh, so I'm 
I'm actually teaching that class to a g- local guild. Um, so I'm making samples for that. And uh, just so ex- I'm just trying, taking one, I, I don't do this very often. I'm taking one pattern and then making several versions. One is crappy, one is using just solids. And uh, it's just just so, it's, they look so different when I'm using a completely solids, just one solid color, just having, as opposed to having 25 different fabric for the same one. It's, it's been, that's been amazing. That uh, then, and then I'm working on some, I'm working on a project um, as yet unnamed for QuiltCon. (laughs) So, so I, I, it's just about two or three going on at the same time. So we'll have to stay tuned for QuiltCon 2024 to see that quilt. Well, I, I hope I finish it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I said, I don't like deadlines. So I, I'm i just hoping it gets there. It'll you get time. Get that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know the date for QuiltCon, but I'm assuming it's Thanksgiving. Is it Thanksgiving? It's, yeah. No, it's, it's um, the Earlier? deadline's 30th of October, which is... Oh, oh okay. Okay. Maybe yeah. you don't have time. No, yeah. That's <laughs> <what I'm doing. laughs> I've never submitted. I can't. I can't. That's no, no, yeah, no promises. <laughs> Maybe you know, it's the next QuiltCon. It doesn't matter. Right, yeah, you never know. Yeah, because yeah. it's usually, I think, it has to be made within the last two to three yeah. years or something yes, I think yes. in order for it to be submitted. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I always say, like, I'm going to submit something, and then I never do. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So it is time for our rapid-fire quilty question. Are you ready, Vasuda? Yes. As ready as I can be. <laughs> we'll take it. <laughs> yeah. Wendy, why don't you uh, kick us off? Okay. Uh, what is your favorite time of day to quilt? It's usually weekend mornings when I have no commitments and no need to look at the clock. And where do you sew? I have a d- small, well, I have a dedicated uh, sewing area in the TV room. That's really where I do most of it. And do you wear shoes while you're sewing? No shoes. What best describes your sewing speed? Lead pedal or slow and steady? Most of the time, lead pedal. <laughs> Until it doesn't work anymore and I have to get slow. Oh, no. Or you run out of oven. <laughs> yes. um, music, Netflix, podcast, or the sounds of silence? It's usually silence because the machine makes a lot of noise. <laughs> And do you have a favorite traditional quilt block? Uh, I would say log cabin. It's just so versatile. You can make it do anything you want. And favorite snack while sewing? Just water, no snacks. And what is your all-time favorite quilting technique? Um, I would say free motion quilting. I think that's, I find that very relaxing and and um, just it's just uh, I I just turn on some music, especially when I'm doing free motion quilting, and just go on with it. It's the most relaxing thing I've done. Solids or print fabrics? Mostly solids, I would say. And do you have a favorite local quilt shop? Yes, uh, I live in Houston, so we have so many. So oh, uh, very jealous. <laughs> yes, like, oh. <laughs> we we're spoiled. So I, I go to like. Two or three. One is called. It seems to be so. It's near Sugarland, and then there's one um, uh, so special quilts in Katy, and a few others. Yeah. 
And what sewing notion couldn't you live without? Um, other than the usual rulers and rotary cutters, I would say uh, Wonder Clips. And do you have a favorite ruler size? Yeah, the one I use most often is six by 12. Um, but I also need a longer one, like a 24 inch one for longer cuts. But most of the time I'm using a six by 12 and that I really love that size. It's a great size. <laughs> and uh, what is your favorite part of the quilt making process? Um, it's going from inspiration to design. Everything else sort of pales in comparison. That's <laughs> Uh, do you have a least favorite part? Binding. And what's one bad quilting habit you wish you could give up? I don't finish projects. <laughs> very bad habit. I love that. <laughs> do you have a quilting best friend? Yeah, I, I have several in my quilt guild, but I should if I have to pick one, I would pick uh, Preeti Harris of So Preeti Quilts. And who's your quilty crush? Latifa Safir. Outside of your sewing room, do you have any other interests or hobbies? Uh, yeah, I love gardening. I used, I used to do a lot of reading, but quilting has totally taken over. <laughs> I guess you could put some audio books or something. Yeah. <laughs> I can't pay attention on those two things at once. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> probably mess something up by accident. Yeah, I've done no, that before exactly. by uh, cutting the rocks. <laughs> <to the, Yeah. laughs> okay, so we've got one more question for you, and it is, who are three accounts you think everyone should be following? and why okay so for this i'm going to pick three uh three accounts that have an indian connection uh the first i have is the root connection it's sujata shah uh, she's a quilt artist of indian heritage but she's in california right now and she has a really uh, it's a, she has a lovely mix of a mixed cultural aesthetic that really appeals to me and the second i have is anita and reddy a-N-I-T-H-A-N-R-E-D-D-Y. She's a community artist based in Bangalore, India. So what she does is she um, she curates a style of quilts called Kawandi, which is a quilts that are traditionally made by the Siddhi community, who are the Siddhi community are uh, people of African descent who who live in India, who've moved to India like over the centuries. And there's, they have a unique uh, style of quilts that they make. It's all handmade and it's just beautiful. And Anita uh, curates them and she, she, um, she says, she markets them as well as she does exhibitions and things. The third I have is uh, also based in India in Ahmedabad. Uh, the Instagram is uh, Ras Leela Textile. R-A-A-S-L-E-E-L-A textile. It's actually a clothing store in Ahmedabad and they focused on, they focused on uh, sustainable hand stitch clothing, quilts, household items. And it has a very, um, it, it's, it, they're all, it, it uses Indian crafts, Indian embroidery, but she also has, they also have a very, um, minimalist style. I like that combination of, sustainable, like unbleached and that sort of look as well as very minimalist. And it's, it's, it's find it fascinating. Yeah. So we need to wrap today up and we hope that you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to contact any of us, we can most easily be found on our Instagram accounts. I'm at Broadcloth Studio, Wendy. I'm at the.weekendquilter. And Vasuda. I'm in at Storied Quills 314. 
Or you can go to our podcast account at quilt.buzz or our website, quiltbuzzpodcast.com for our previous episodes and updates on upcoming guests. If you enjoyed today's show, we hope that you subscribe to the podcast and tell your quilty friends about us too. And if you have a moment to share what you love by writing a review on your podcast provider of choice, it would make our day. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye. 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 Bye.